Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with the leader of the real men's movement in Australia, Pastor Greg French. My co-host is Pastor Andrew McLennan from C3 Church in Indrapilly. Now, first off, Greg, uh, let's just chat a little bit about your story. Uh, we just had a bit of a lunch together, and I was so uh, excited to hear about how you uh, met Jesus in the middle of an LSD trip in King's Cross. Yes, yeah, certainly. You know, I mean, it sounds a little bit unusual, but um, that's really a byproduct, as we were talking about at lunch, uh, Matt, is that uh, my sister, for a number of years, like 12 years, she uh, grew up, gave her life to Christ when she was quite young, even though our family weren't Christians, um, my mum and dad, but my sister made a decision, who I thought was a complete idiot and really had no respect for her at all. Um, but, you know, I gave my life to Christ in 1976 on the basis that the Lord actually intervened when I was doing LSD, and we had been for three days. Um, but again, I, I'm always reminded over the years, the Lord has reminded me about that the power of prayer that my sister for 12 years never stopped praying for me and believing that through her prayers that her brother would have an experience and an encounter with Christ. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I'm just curious a bit about um, the title of uh, your ministry. It's Real Men. And, mate, um, you know, you're, you're pretty buff. You know, you've got your leather jacket here. You've got some big guns. You're, you're obviously a real man's man. Um, let me just ask you before, we're going to talk about some of the miracles you've seen in your travels shortly, but let me just ask, how important is it to have real men in our churches these days? Um, well, I think it's very important, obviously. And as you've said, like we're in 19 countries and we hold uh, around about 100 conferences and events in those countries. And last year we saw 5,683 men give their life to Christ, first-time decisions, um, coming out of Buddhism and, and various other backgrounds. But also to just seeing, um, again, the audience of like, at that stage, 36,000 men, and through that audience being Christian men, in, seeing men empowered and seeing their life really positioned correctly, I think before God, but rightfully in their own families, but also in their own communities. So that's where it's sort of been at. And I, and I honestly believe that the term real men um, is something which is a necessary part of church life. And it's uh, funny, we, we spoke about this, Andrew, and I was talking about this the other day, is that it came out of, um, at one stage when I was, when Pastor Phil and I were talking about the need in our own church in C3 Church, Oxford Falls, um, to see men rise up because of issues of facing in their marriages and their homes. And and uh, he said, look, we really got to find someone, Greg, uh, you know, to do that. And I'm, I, you know what my first thought was when he said that? I said, what poor sucker is going to get stuck with that job? And uh, lo and behold, that was me. Um, but I, ju- I, I just thought now, is it really necessary? But over the years, and obviously from that time, I've seen the necessary part of, of um, men in the churches rising up and being real where they're at. So the term actually was framed and shaped. I was listening to a just a, 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 a program on on the radio, and this gentleman was interviewing a number of women and said, "Look, what do you what are you looking for in a man? You know, and and what are the qualities you'd be looking for?" And and it was funny when I was listening to it as he interviewed a number of women of various ages. They kept on saying, "Look, I, I really just want to find a a real guy. You know, a, a real guy who speaks the truth and." A guy who's real about life and says it how it is, and a real guy who really helps you understand who you are. Just And the word real kept on coming up. And I think in our society, especially here in Australia, is that we're not real enough where we're at. But I personally believe that the strength 
of a church will be seen the strength of its men. Women, I thank the Lord, have actually stood in the gap while we as men have sat down. But it's about time that we as real men begin to stand up and actually find our rightful position. That's awesome, Greg. And obviously Greg was a pastor at C3 Church, Oxford Falls, from 1985 till two years ago. But he's now launched out into what we call a traveling ministry, although it's endorsed by his home church and sent out by Pastor Phil Pringle. Uh, he's traveling in different countries of the world. And Greg, tell us about some of the miracles that you've been seeing since you launched out and started preaching in different nations like America, Vietnam, etc. Well, there's you know, many and varied. And, and I believe that you know, a lot of people say you're having a, a gift for miracles or etc. And I, I'd go, no, I've actually positioned myself as a man um, to really believe God. And just in that belief, I believe that has released God's hand to move in men's lives and women's lives and families' lives. So um, a couple of things that we've been talking about over lunch is uh, just the end of last year, I was in, over in Vietnam. And of course, Vietnam is a, still a communistic country, but invited to a, a group of churches over there, but through a business group and asked to speak to all the men. And we had a great m- number of meetings with the men talking about the issues they were facing. But I actually did an open meeting in the evening, and in that evening meeting, a a, um, a grandmother and a mother um, came along, and uh, they brought their little daughter with them. Now, it was a meeting around about 300 people, but in that place, um, they came forward because in that very moment, they came out on a response to actually to have a miracle and see something happening. And um, the grandmother had been a believer like for 26 years and had seen amazing things take place in her life, you know. But again, in the greatest time of need, again, the need came out of that her daughter's daughter was actually born blind, but not just born blind. She actually had no pupils. So there was no way of correction or correcting that um, medical position. Yeah, through surgery. There's no possible way. So she came on that, that altar call, and just during that moment, um, I prayed for a number of different people. And again, I don't actually lay hands on people. God just moves in these meetings. And in that meeting, um, over the period of 24 hours, they came in. I prayed with people. Some people got some healings and miracles and during that meeting. But that family, that grandmother, that mother, and that daughter actually went home with nothing. I mean, the daughter, still blind, no pupils, nothing, and went home. But over a period of 24 hours, the next morning when... Um, their daughter woke up and the mother woke up and the mother went into the room. She went down and saw her daughter just playing with the sheet of her bed. And uh, she thought that's unusual. So she went over and um, to see what her daughter was doing. Like she, she looked like she was looking at the sheet. And normally she wouldn't look at anything because she had no vision and had no focus. So she went over and just looked at her daughter and got down on her knees. And as she looked at her daughter, her daughter didn't say anything, but she looked in her eyes and she had two pupils. And at that moment, she could see perfectly, and she has perfect vision, can see today, and that has revolutionized that small group, which has now grown into a number of other groups, which is impacting the northern parts of Hanoi over there through that through that miracle. So I believe miracles are relevant and real and necessary to build the life of the church. We're also talking before about how it's great to see those physical miracles, but you've seen a lot of people healed of you know sleeping problems and anxiety and depression as well. Uh, one guy in particular in America, tell us that story. Yeah, that was, that's a great story, and. and and as you say, like, healing is, you know, a wonderful outworking of it and miraculous part. But I believe that healing needs to happen, even in our society today, a lot more along the lines of bringing healing to our emotions and our past. Um, and one of the stories, we've done a meeting, and in this meeting, this men's meeting we're doing, 
uh, this gentleman came out just for some prayer, and I have no idea of his past or his background. Anyway, and he came out there, and I just had this sense and this feeling that I just needed to ask him a question. I said, do you believe and trust God? And he said, yes, of course, and as we'd all normally say as Christians, yes, of course we do. But he came out, I said, no, do, do you really believe and can you trust God? And he said, yes. And I said, well, let me pray with you. And as I prayed a prayer, I simply said, let the peace of God which transcends all understanding come upon you. And at that moment, I felt a wonderful peace just roll from me onto him. And at that moment, I mean, nothing changed. He seemed okay. He sensed it at the end of it. I prayed for a number of other people. And uh, he came up to me and shook my hand, um, which, which was great. And he was very appreciative of that prayer. But that uh, gentleman, um, 11 years, this is coming up the 12th year, was involved in 9-11. He was one of the firemen who went and fought um, the, the associated fires or threat of fire within the buildings of the towers. And um, in there, he was impacted because he was in the, the southern tower which went down which collapsed and he was trapped for a period of time and he saw terrible things within their loss of friends who is working with other firemen who just totally were annihilated and obliterated because he was part of that the rescue party that went in but they're seeing again dismembered limbs etc and he was really again emotionally um, scarred from that experience as we all would be but for that period of time, he lived in that, unable to sleep, filled with anxiety. He was pensioned off because of the experience. And uh, uh, he'd gone through a lot. For that period of time, he had lived, even as a Christian, in a, an emotionally bent and crippled state. But after that, and I received just six weeks ago, since I was over in the States now, seven weeks ago, um, just a week ago, I received um, an email from him, and like six weeks after that event. And he just sent me a simple email which says, it's like, Pastor Greg, I'm so appreciative of that prayer. He said, I didn't realize the impact of it, or even believe that really it would have anything um, significantly changing in my world. But that prayer itself has actually changed my life because you need to understand. For those 11 years, I've never really slept. I've been filled with anxiety, pensioned off and not able to work. Lost my marriage and because of that, unable to live with what I went through. But since you've prayed, I've slept every night. And no longer am I filled with anxiety, but I have a real sense and peace over my life about what God has done and can do and is continued to do. So deeply appreciative. Greg, I'm just sitting here thinking there's people listening to this program right now, maybe in their car or at home on the, on the internet, if someone needs a miracle right now, obviously this is not about Greg French, the miracle worker, but if someone needs a miracle right now in their world, what would you say to them as the beginning of that? How do they reach out to God for a miracle? Well, first, to reach out to God, you've actually got to believe in God. And I think the framework of that getting is trust in God. And we all have to get ourselves in a position of believing that God is a God who loves us enough. And I always say this, that Jesus went to the cross for every single one of us. And sometimes we see that in God so loved the world that he gave his son, that we see the world as the masses, the six billion people on the planet. But I want to tell you that Jesus would still go to the cross if you were the only person on the face of the earth. Why? Because he loves you enough personally as one, not as six billion, but as one. And in that experience and that, that life that he has given, he has given it to you. And as soon as we accept him, we then release the opportunity that God has given us to allow him to move in our past, in our difficulties, with a healing emotionally, and that power can flow through that relationship with Christ. And all you have to simply do is believe that God can. 
And if we believe he can, he will. Now, Greg, um, you're obviously very busy traveling the world, you know, doing conferences uh, with, with real men and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's it's hard when you're so busy to uh, have a disciplined time where you can, you know, get alone and do your devotions and, and get into the Word. Well, what do you do um, typically, you know, on any day when you, you just want to spend some time in the Word? Is there a, a set time or a set reading plan? Or what do you do when you get into the Word of God? Um well, firstly, I've just made a discipline in my life to actually to do it. So, and and so often we get very well, deeply encouraged to um, to go out and pray an hour a day and make that commitment. And and you know that can be very challenging just to like to make a commitment to pray every uh, an hour a day and maybe read a couple of chapters every day. And and I find life's full. So what I've learned in my prayer and word life is that I've created a thing and a, a little principle I live out. It's called my baseline of prayer and word. And I, I've done this. I've trained pastors and and uh, college students along these lines as well. And I've said, um, what is the baseline? What is the minimum? What's the bare minimum you can work out of that you can make a commitment to every day so that you will pray every day? And uh, a lot of people go, oh, you know, 59 minutes, you know, 57 and I'm going, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's not, you might as well pray now, you know. <laughs> but what I, I've done, I said, no, what's the baseline, the bare minimum that you could actually live with, feel comfortable with, that actually you can live up to and follow through every day? And th- you gradually get people down from 20 to 10. And, you know, I want to say this and to sum it up, is that I have a, believe it or not, a three-minute baseline. Baseline is bare minimum. It's where I start. It's not where I finish. And I've made a commitment and I can constantly live out of that in my challenged moments and times. Every day uh, when I wake up, I've already prayed my three minutes. I prayed in the shower, wonderful place to pray. I then read my Bible. I'll read three verses and pray three minutes. But that's the beginning. And I've found as I've built that habit into my life, in those challenged moments, I'm still hungry for prayer and word. And I want more. And I would say on an average every day, I would pray. And over that period of time, by building that baseline, I've been consistent to be praying an hour a day, reading the word of God, you know, for 20 minutes in there. And it, because I'm hungry for it, because the small things have actually grown into being a big part of my life. But again, it has put me in a position. And I would say, you might have a goal to pray an hour a day. But realistically, if you build in a smaller portion of prayer time and word time, you'll probably pray more and read more than you would if you're more consistent every day than you would over the context of one year. But it's the baseline. It's not the ultimate goal. That's where I start. But that start has created a habit which now gives me a healthy prayer and word life. We're talking with uh, Pastor Greg French. Uh, he's been on staff with Phil Pringle at C3 Oxford Falls for many years and now travelling the world in over 19 countries with the Real Men Conferences. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, Greg, uh, maybe they want to book you to speak at an event or a men's conference or something, is, is there a website they can go to? Yeah, I'd just say, look, you can get onto our C3 Oxford Falls website. Pastor Phil Pringle is the Senior Minister of our church, a great great man of God and is doing amazing things around the world and again our real men we have a real men's conference coming up in Sydney actually in two weeks on the 27th and 28th and if you're around Sydney at that time register and get online go to our website at C3 Oxford Falls and um, you can register and come to that but if you just get onto our church at C3 Oxford Falls you can phone in there they'll give you my details and we can actually follow through on it. Well Greg I reckon you're a history maker thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.